good to be here with you this morning. Um, I don't know if it's just me or if Luke feels this way as well, but sometimes the chasm between the pulpit and the people seems longer and longer, <clears throat> or farther and farther. This is why I'm moving closer to Bruno, <laughs> so I can feel a little connected here. No, I'm also moving out of the middle because we're going to be showing some uh, slides here. Um, as we reported, when was it, about two weeks ago, yeah, two weeks ago now, um, we do thank you all for your continued prayers for us. Um, we have felt those prayers, we have known those prayers, um, we've seen those prayers active in our lives um, throughout this time, and we truly are uh, grateful to the Lord for you, for our church family, um, and the way that you have stood with us, behind us, and your prayers all around us. Um, <clears throat> we don't know what it would be like to go through something like this without the support of a home church like the home church. Um, and so uh, we wouldn't want to imagine what it would be like. Um, today is... I think it's the 306th day, already 300 days. We're closing in on a year of this war in Ukraine. Um, you know, wars in the 21st century aren't supposed to be long. They're supposed to be quick. And that's what the Russians thought until they met the resistance of the Ukrainian army, the Ukrainian people. The Ukrainians didn't greet them with flowers and kisses and hugs like they thought. Um, you know, there were <coughs> reports of uh, Ukrainians capturing uh, Russian soldiers there the first month, first two months of the war when they were still around the Kiev area. And a lot of these soldiers were young boys, um, 18, 19, 20 years old, totally unprepared for war. They had no idea. They said, we were sent to Belarus to come down. We were supposed to come down in a nice straight file of armored vehicles, tanks, and we were told we were coming down for a parade. And that's how the Russian army, the majority of the Russian army, entered Ukraine was not to fight, not to um, uh, uh, wage warfare, but simply to come down for a victory parade. You know, in our town, there was a garage, and when I say garage, most garages in Ukraine are not attached to houses or buildings. They're um, a cluster of little garages, where, uh, storage uh, buildings. <coughs> in one of those garages, they actually found close to a thousand Russian parade uniforms, all with the, the, um, uh, the fur hats and all of that. They were sent down before the war even started, in preparation for this victory parade that was supposed to take place. And yet now we're already almost a year into it. The resistance has only grown stronger. Um, and if you ask any of these people, any of these places where the Russians have occupied, but since been liberated by the Ukrainian armies, such as Kharkov or um, Kherson, or other places in the east, 
even, even cities around us that were occupied there in the first month of, uh, of the war, they would tell you there's no way we would want Russia to be over us, to be um, that we would want to go with Russia. Just the, the cruelty, the, um, uh, just the, the horrible things that have gone on under Russian occupation. And war is ugly. We all understand that. We all understand that war is terrible, evil, um, and yet it seems like <coughs> there are some groups that are fighting in the Russian army, with the Russian army, that are just absolutely evil, gross, um, and doing horrible things. Um, but as we stated last, last time we spoke two weeks ago, we do come with uh, a, a um, grateful word from the Ukrainian people, especially our people in our church and our friends, those in our area. Um, they are truly grateful for all of your prayers, but also all of the American support. And it's interesting because, um, <clears throat> you know, here, most of you, or a lot of you, you know, say it's hard to keep up with all that's going on over there, and we hear less and less of what's going on. And, and, but most Ukrainian people can tell you the support that we have gotten from the American government, from uh, military support. They can tell you what kind of guns we've got, what kind of ammunition we've got, um, and also they can remind you what they still need. Um, and it seems like a never-ending line. You know, I, it doesn't, it, regardless of political view, um, if there was no support from the West for Ukraine, there would be no Ukraine. And I don't say that flippantly. There literally would be no Ukraine because the goal of the Russian government today is to wipe out Ukraine as a people. They would like nothing better than to put Ukraine back under the realm of the Russian Federation, which used to be the Soviet Union. While that name may be old, that idea is still there. Um, and, you know, Putin's made it clear that he would like to be like um, the czars of old that were conquering, that were that were um, had world uh, or a world vision of world dominance. Um, and what better way or what better place to start than the neighboring country of Ukraine? The attitude has long been that Ukraine is a village people. Yes, they have wonderful land. They have amazing land. Um, and in our travels throughout Ukraine. Uh, this spring and, and uh, summer, we saw just how beautiful Ukraine is. It's, it's a beautiful country. Um, there are so, it's, it's so different in its climates. Um, the, the richness of the soil, um, the, the crops are varied. Russia looks at that and say, well, that can give food to our people, but the Ukrainians are going to be the ones that work it because we're not going to work it. They wouldn't want to work it, but we will rule over those people. We will make sure they know who's boss, and we will continually put them under our thumb so that they will remember and so that they will be grateful to us for 
not wiping them out. Um, <clears throat> and yet the, the Ukrainian people are, are not going for that. Um, it's hard to know where to even begin. There's so much, so much we've gone through um, these last 10 months, so many different experiences, so many different things that we never imagined we would go through. Um, and, you know, how do you condense it into a half an hour um, or 15 minute, 20 minute talk? I'm glad that this clock is stopped because I was like, whoa. I've got 15 minutes, so we'll talk fast. Um, <coughs> 30 minutes, yes? Okay. Uh, so, and I'm also glad that my mother's sitting in the back, because if she wasn't, if she was sitting any closer, I'd see that she was crying, and that would make me emotional. And so, thank you, Mom, for sitting in the back. Dad, keep control of your wife. Um, <laughs> You know, but we're, we're entering into Christmas. We're entering in, into Christmas. And something, uh, a verse that God has been speaking to us about and, and bringing back to me over and over again is in Matthew 1.18. Or, or it's, it's in Matthew 1, um, starting in verse 18, and, and after the genealogy, of Christ. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And it goes on, and Joseph, not being a, or being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But, what, but, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this that was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. We see the second name of Jesus given here in Matthew. First, his name shall be called Jesus, but then he shall be called, or his name, you shall call his name Emmanuel, being interpreted, God with us. And, you know, this name, Emmanuel, we usually only hear it at Christmas time. Um, and yet, this idea of God with us is something that we know. It's something that all Christians are familiar with we know we claim for ourselves we tell others god's with us god's with us and we see it throughout the old testament david says the lord of hosts is with us the god of jacob is our refuge he says it twice in, ver in chapter 46 the lord of hosts is with us the god of jacob is our refuge romans 8 31 says if god be for us who can be against us and you know, as you go through, or as we've gone through this very stretching, very uncertain, very new experience of war these past 10 months, 11 months, <clears throat> this name Emmanuel has grown in importance to us. God with us. God with us. Um, you know, when, it's, when the war started on February 20. Fourth, um, 
we heard actually from my brother who called and said, the war started. We said, no, we've been sleeping soundly. Everything's okay. He said, no. They said the Russians have invaded. The war started. Um, and shortly thereafter, as we got up, as we started checking our phones, checking the news, um, we started hearing distant booms. Very faint at first, um, and yet distinct booms. And we thought, okay, you know, they're probably bombing uh, somewhere around Kiev, um, but we're in little insignificant Irpin. Everything's okay. Then our friends called and said, can you get us out of Kiev? Can you come and get us? They live very close to an uh, airplane manuf manufacturing plant, and they heard very loud very, uh, uh, and, and felt uh, explosions very close to them. And so us being ignorant American missionaries, new to all this war stuff, we jumped in our car and drove into Kiev. Um, it was amazing how quickly we got into Kiev because the roads were empty going in there. <laughs> but it took us like five times longer to get back after picking them up. Um, and, but we got back into Kiev and we made lunch for everyone. We, you know, we even have a picture of us in the car. We took a selfie in the car, sending to other friends um, there. We're all smiling. We're all happy to be together. Little did we know that this was the beginning of, you know, so much uh, uncertainty, so much uh, um, uh, just uh, tragedy. Um, and <coughs> as we went through that first day, we heard more and more explosions. We saw smoke in the distance. We realized that this was, you know, um, something much bigger, much closer than we had anticipated. Um, and they, the explosions were becoming more frequent. That evening as it got dark, and I say that evening, but it was only like 3.30 in the afternoon as it got dark, we heard more and more. And our home is very close. We're right next to a large Baptist church. And this Baptist church has a big territory, and there's often many weddings there. And at the end of these weddings, often they shoot fireworks or, or firecrackers off, and we would hear these. And so this day, some of these explosions were sounding like firecrackers or fireworks going off. We're like, why are they having a wedding on a Thursday, a Thursday afternoon at three? And why, if there's a war going on, why are they shooting off fireworks, firecrackers? Because this is how close they were. They were sounding like they were just outside um, our, our, our uh, house. And it was about, what, maybe 5 o'clock, 5.30, 6, that our landlords came running over to our house. And they're like, we need to get down into the basement now. We need to go down into the basement. And the basement for them is a sauna, which is under our back lawn. Um, and so we gathered some blankets, we made sure we put our coats on, gathered some blankets, and we headed down into the basement as the expo explosions are getting louder, more, um, more powerful, the ground is shaking, our little house is, is shaking, um, and we go down there. And we were down there for a couple of hours. Um, now it sounds like guns are set up just down the street from our house. Um, 
and the artillery is going over our house and being returned from who knows where. Um, there's reports of um, uh, saboteurs that, have, that are being landed um, at an airport, come to find out, only 15 miles or 15 or so miles from our house. The Russians had taken this airport and were landing equipment, were landing uh, uh, saboteurs there that were infiltrating. It wasn't a, a large military push, but they were sending these small groups of guys out to wreak havoc, to uh, terrorize, to try to, again, uh, prepare people for this onslaught of, of Russian equipment. And, and so, you know, it's dark, it's cold, you don't know who could be coming down the street, it's not a place that you want to be. Um, one of our neighbors, he had a small I don't know if it was a shotgun or some kind of gun, which I'm not sure where because guns are not legal in Ukraine or they weren't before the war. But somehow he had this gun and he was standing post at the top of the stairs. And, I th and after a while, I was thinking, you know, I don't know if that's actually super good for us to have him standing up there. He's probably got two shots in that gun. <laughs> he takes his two shots, and now they think that this, this, uh, um, uh, this, this uh, basement, this cellar, this bunker is filled with who knows how many guns, and so let's go shooting on the way down there, you know. But anyways, it made him feel better. Don't know about the rest of us. <laughs> but down in that, down in that, that cellar, um, we had opportunity to, to lead. There was probably close to 20 of us down there. Um, we had opportunity to lead prayers down there. We were singing in Ukrainian. Um, the atmosphere was pretty calm, as calm as it could be on the first day of a war. Um, but it was super cold. It was super cold down there. Um, and, you know, you're surrounded by uh, cement walls. And so um, we moved in after a couple of hours. There was a lull in the explosions. We moved into our landlord's house, which if any of you have seen it, it's more of a castle than a house. This thing is huge, thick brick walls. Um, and we moved in there. And uh, we're in there that night, hearing artillery, hearing um, shelling overhead um, throughout the night. And then at 4 o'clock, 4.30 in the morning, we were... Uh, we heard a incredibly loud and very strong explosion, and shortly thereafter we understood that they blew up the bridge, which is a half a mile from our home. The Ukrainians blew it up to stop the advance or the, the, the future advance of the Russians to, uh, towards Kiev, um, but this explosion even shook this great big home that we were in. Um, plaster falling from the walls and ceiling and understood that this is this is serious you know this is not something that's just going to go away or something that's going to be over in a few days this is extremely serious um, <clears throat> so people started leaving this house little by little in the morning um, and by three o'clock we understood that we also should leave I did not want to leave I was being the good pastor said, I'm not going to leave my flock. And all the rest are saying, yes, we need to get out now. We need to get out now. 
um, after talking to a couple of men that I highly uh, admire, both of them saying, Joel, you have people that you need to get out because you have the car and you have the keys, and this is the only way that they're going to get out. And so at 3 o'clock, we finally did leave not knowing what the roads were going to be like because we had heard that the roads were just jammed with cars. You weren't going anywhere. It was a parking lot. We get in our car. We drive through our end of Irpin, and there is no one on the roads. It is eerily empty. It was so empty, I was thinking we were going to see Russian tanks pulling out of the uh, forest as we drove through. There was no one there. Um, and we drove, we drove to the highway. We could see lines of cars on the highway, but where we were going, which wasn't to the west like most normal Ukrainians, we were going deeper into the country. We just hopped this highway and kept going. And again, for most of the way, there was very few cars. God um, miraculously blessed our car with additional gas where we don't know where it came from. But, you know, most new cars or most cars today have a gauge or, or it says on the uh, dash how, much, how many miles you have left till your next fill-up. And from when I sat in the car to when we got to where we needed to go, I actually gained 20 or, 20 or 30 kilometers more. I don't know how because we drove for like three, three and a half hours. But such is the way of modern technology, such is the way of our God who, you know, if nothing else, those numbers were simply an assurance to me that, again, God was with us. He wasn't going to let us run out of gas. Um, we were out of, our, out of our home for two and a half months, I think close to three months, not sure what our home was like. We had heard reports, we had seen things, Nothing right down our street. We had uh, seen many little uh, video clips and reports about Irpin. Irpin was a town that was all over international news. Um, everyone knew about our little town. And so every report we would look, how was our home? What's up with our home? We didn't see anything. It was only um, when we the Russians were driven back, and we were finally able to get there the beginning of uh, April <clears throat> that um, we finally saw. But as we moved into Irpin on our way back, you know, we weren't sure what we would find our home-wise because this, these are the scenes that we saw in Ukraine. Um, people have asked us, so is it really as bad as what we, they've been showing us here? You know, we know our media can, can blow things up. Is it really as bad? It's worse. It's a lot worse than what you've seen. Um, these are pictures that we've taken. These are all pictures from our hometown of Irpin. This is actually a friend's home. Um, it took a direct hit from a shell. Took out this first bedroom. The whole roof lifted up, slightly twisted, and fell back down. This house is now pretty much condemned. Um, when the owners got back, they looked and, and saw that it would take a complete demolition of the home um, for anything. And so, um, but this is what we saw um, all throughout. That's a child's playground. 
uh, home apartment buildings just completely demolished. For 11 years, we had an office in this building. Our office is that first door right there. Um, this this uh, uh, ministry who we rented an office from, this building was occupied by the Russians. They um, had something of a headquarters there. Um, right next door is Child Evangelism Fellowship and their headquarters. The Child, Eva- uh, Child Evangelism Fellowship uh, building was the sleeping quarters. This was more of a working uh, headquarters. And so we think that actually our guys took this building out because there were tank tracks that were going down into the garage of this building. On the other side, there was remnants of a tank. Um, and But this place just got absolutely demolished. Here you see part of a tank, um, part of a tank track there or the, the rollers, the wheels. These two homes were... Uh, uh, The back home is, he was the choir director for the area of Kiev. Um, He and his family, he has seven, six, six children. Um, They're now in the States, but their home was demolished. Um, And so these are the scenes we saw as we came back into uh, Kiev or Ukraine, or excuse me, Irpin. Uh, This is the bridge that was blown up. Um, And not knowing what to expect as we were driving back home. Um, And, you know, sadly, a lot of this damage is still there today. Um, uh, This is is a a, uh, gas station right at the highway where we crossed. The evening after we passed this gas station, this gas station was bombed, taken out by the Russians, um, just the timing of how God led us out of Irpin. Not only was the bridge taken out, but then this road and, and uh, everything on this road was taken out. Um, God, again, was with us. He was with us. These are some aerial views. These are the only pictures that I did not take. I don't have a drone. Um, uh, but the, this is actually Pastor and Pauline stayed very close to this area. Um, they stayed in a, in a uh, hotel very, uh, just on the backside of this area. But as you can see, every home has the roof gone. Every home um, is just completely destroyed. Um, this only took a month of, um, of the Russians being there. This school, we have friends that live in the building right behind this school. Um, their, ho- their apartment building, this isn't it, but their apartment building... Was had also had damage. Much of the, many of the windows were taken out. Um, this is just our town. This is multiplied by thousands of towns. So we saw this on a news feed, a Ukrainian news feed. This is the city of Irpin, and all of these red and yellow and green dots are places where there's damage to buildings or buildings are destroyed. Um, and yet I've circled the block where our home is. And as you can see, there's no dots there. Um, Just amazing how God kept our little house because this next picture shows the state of our house when we came home. Um, 
There was nothing wrong. It was, it was as if, and I've said this before, it was as if we just went to the store. Um, also, we had heard reports that there was a lot of looting going on, not only by the Russian uh, army, and they were doing a lot of looting for some reason, because they couldn't be in the parade, they decided to steal all of the washing machines and all of the televisions that were down here, um, even clothing they were stealing. Um, but also, as in many times where there's disasters or whatever, there are also stupid people that also loot. I don't know what they're doing looting. They're not going back to their home because their home's probably been destroyed as well. Um, and so, once we saw that our home was okay visually, because we walked all around the home, are the windows broken? What? We were still hesitant in going inside. What is the state of inside? Maybe they've just taken everything. And yet, we went inside. There was still food on the table that we had left when we, when we evacuated. Um, as I said in one of my uh, emails, one of my reports, the, even the air mattress that we had blown up in anticipation of sleeping soundly, we thought, on the first day of the war, um, uh, or our friends sleeping on it, was also still fully pumped up. Amaz I mean, th this is the best air mattress I've ever seen <laughs> because most air mattresses after one night are half flat. This thing was pumped to the max, still standing vertical. Sadly, homes... Sadly, a lot of our friends had homes that were damaged or destroyed. This uh, couple, when we came back to Kiev after being gone for two months, came back and this couple was living in our church in Kiev and they said, we had evacuated um, and we don't know what, our, what the state of our home is. Can you take us there to see? And um, the next day we were able to drive them there and as we were coming down the street, the destruction on their street was just incredible. Fences were just, uh, just uh, uh, shot through with shrapnel and all of that. And as we get getting closer, we didn't know where they lived, but they saw through some of the fences. They said, oh, that's, that's our home. And this is the remains of their home. But you know what? I, th I think, uh, I think the, the wife shed maybe 30 seconds of tears, and then it was well, you know, that's, that's life. Um, and he dug through a little bit to see if he could find any tools or anything to salvage, but it was just completely shot through. Um, we have friends, and we wrote about uh, Katya and Sasha, um, good friends of ours. Katya was pregnant at the beginning of the war. Um, in fact, uh, she was due only three weeks after the war started, and Sasha went through, her husband went through many days of what should we do? Do we, they live in Kiev. Um, Kiev was never occupied, but the Russians almost completely surrounded it, three quarters surrounded it. What should we do? Should we leave? And Sasha said, you know, I don't want to get on the road. And then her going to labor and here I'm in the car with her. I don't know how to deliver a baby. I don't know where we would go um, for, for a delivery. And so they decided to stay in Kiev. Um, uh, Katya once wrote, um, I, I think it was still before she'd given birth, she wrote and sent a picture to Lorianne of a, a checkpoint that was posted up 
um, very close on the street just outside their window. And she said, we feel safe. There's a checkpoint right here. And they had a, they had a gun, you know, a large gun there at the checkpoint. There are soldiers milling around. And Lorianne looked at me and she said, I don't know that that's actually the safest place because that's the first place that the Russians are going to hit if they come in. But for Katya, she felt very safe behind this checkpoint. Um, she went into labor early in the morning and in Kiev, there were, uh, there were um, curfews from like 9 o'clock until 8 o'clock in the morning. Sasha's greatest fear was Katya was going to go into labor at night. What do you do? She went into labor. He called the ambulance. And after three calls, they finally said, what do you expect us to do? Come to her. There's a war going on. She's like, what am I supposed to do? Finally, he got her in the car. They decided, we're just going to go for it. He got her in the car. And he said, I have never prayed so much. And I never knew how many checkpoints there were between me and, or us and the hospital. He said, at every checkpoint, they questioned me. They had me get out of the car. They wanted to look in the trunk. I said, my wife is pregnant. She's going to have a baby. I said, well. And finally, they got to the hospital. But she had one of the quickest deliveries that I've ever heard. Um, I think she was in the delivery room for maybe a half an hour and um, had a little baby, Melania. Um, she is a wartime baby. And actually, this is nothing new or, well, this was at the beginning, but Ukraine has had so many babies and so many weddings during this past 10 months. Um, an incredible amount of weddings and babies this past 10 months. And here she is. Uh, this was, they drove us uh, they, were, they were with us on the way out of uh, Ukraine when we left. This is her um, little Melania. She's so joyful. She's so easygoing. She's always smiling. Um, and I know, we know that um, God has blessed Sasha and Katya um, for their faithfulness to him, for their faithfulness to the church. Different friends that we met or that we know along the way. Um, Galina is who we stayed with in the village. Lorianne had her first chicken butchering experience with her. Maybe you read in our reports how we were given um, just so many wheelbarrows full of chickens. Um, this is Lorianne and Galena um, uh, preserving these chickens to go in the freezer so that they uh, would be there. Um, <coughs> we stayed with this cop couple at the top in Kharkov when we took humanitarian aid there. They had been in occupation or their little village. They lived just outside of Kharkov. They had uh, been occupied. Their, the village had been occupied from day one of the war. They only went back into their home, and their home was one of two homes on their street that was not destroyed. They went back into their home and slept in their own bed two weeks before we came, and this was the middle of October. Um, so for nine months, they had been either in the basement or in other places. They want, once hid out in a farm, um, in a barn in a farm, uh, a couple uh, kilometers from their home um, because the Russians had set up a gun just outside their home, and they said the noise was too much. They couldn't take it anymore. Um, 
And they said, we had just gotten settled in in this barn, and the Russians came and set up a gun there. And so they were moving. But their faith as well in, in, in the Lord, um, also knowing that God was with them. Um, just incredible, the stories that we heard going through um, of, uh, of those who were unshakable and, and are unshakable in their faith. Um, <clears throat> this little uh, lady, she is a cook at a school that we, we met the, the, uh, the principal of this school. We visited a church in a city that we were staying with um, down south in southern Ukraine. We met the principal and we asked, can we come see the school? Because he had said that there were almost 150 refugees that were staying in this school. Um, and so we said, can we come and see and see the needs. And he introduced us to the, the cooks or the school cook. Um, and she fell in love with Lorianne. We asked, what can we do to help? How can we help? Is there anything that you need? And she said, well, we get a little money from the government to feed the refugees, but the money doesn't buy meat. And so they're giving them potatoes, they're giving them grains, they're giving them um, cer uh, hot cereals and things like that, rice, but we don't have meat to add. And so we gave the school and we gave uh, this lady some money for meat and she looked at the money and she said, I've never held this much money in my hand. And she said, here, you hold it. And she tried to give it to the principal and the principal said, I don't want to hold it. It's yours. It's for your kitchen. And you know, for I think it was two, two and a half months after we gave her the finances and after we, uh, we left her, almost every day she would send Lorianne pictures of these tablefuls of meat, you know, uh, raw cuts of, of meat. Um, I never knew that the amount that we gave her would buy that much meat, but being a good... Uh, thrifty Ukrainian, she made it stretch. Um, some of that meat I wouldn't eat, but <laughs> just because I don't eat liver, tongue, um, kidneys, chicken hearts. Um, in the spring, we were able to uh, make a, a uh, tour through Kiev or through uh, Europe, visiting a lot of our friends. But over and over, we saw this name, Emmanuel, God with us. We saw this over and over. And you know, there's a verse in, 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 in Isaiah 49. It says, Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands. This is Emmanuel. This is God with us, holding us in his hands. He's engraven us in the palms of his hands. And this is how... Um, uh, with the prayers of his saints, this is how Lorianne and I have survived. This is how we have m made it through these last 10 months. And we know that it's by the prayers of his people. Um, and so we do thank you so much for, um, for your support, for your prayers, for being with us, maybe not physically, but being with us throughout this time. Um, I'm going to pray, but as you go, we have a small gift for you. It's a selfish gift because with this gift, we hope that you will continue to pray for us every time you see it. Um, 
But we do want to thank you so much for your prayers. Um, Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.